Karen, Ellie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, adult adoption is a fascinating, fascinating piece. It's it's heart wrenching. It's dramatic, um, and hopeful as well. That is a word I would use as well. What was it about this story that the two of you felt that it needed to be told? Hmm. I guess. Do you want me to start? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess when I stumbled into the idea, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking a lot about unconditional love and obsessive love um, and romantic love that isn't, that is platonic. So like romance, but no, ro not, not what we think of as being uh, romantic. Um, as in like, you know, not a, not a sexual intimate relationship between two people, but a platonic intimate relationship. Sorry, if that's not clear. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so I was very interested in that and then what we could say about about unconditional love between adults um, from that place. Yeah. I think too, Ellie, you were drawn to this character, I think as well. I, yeah. Uh, there was like, there was a quote that I read recently. It was, um, <laughs> and not to say that this is like totally true, Ellie, of this script, but that all first novels are wish fulfillment and unmet desires. <laughs> and you have to push all of those through the pipes before you can like write something that's not about that. And not to say that like, you know, that this, that this like who would, who would wish to be like Rosie? Like her life is very difficult. But I think that there, I think that there was a character, I think that was a character you needed to play. Yeah, and no, I think that's right. Like that there's a Rosie in me, there's probably a Rosie in all of us and that, the desire to bring consciousness to that and to like act it out to an extreme degree to yeah. know it more was yeah present. Oh yeah, and and what a what a wonderful character she is, and you do a great job uh, on screen as well as with the writing. I, I'm wondering about the concept of adult adoption. I, I like this is this is new this is a new idea for me. Is this something that that you looked into? Is it a real thing? Is this something that happens? Um, well, so the the idea sort of popped into my head. Um, like I said, I was trying to make, you know, like I said badly at the last answer, um, I was trying to make something about um, intimate relationships that aren't traditionally romantic. And this idea popped into my head of like, yeah, the format of the site, something like a dating site, but adults are seeking parental guidance and matching with adults who desire to give that guidance. And then of course I went online and was like, does this actually exist? And things kind of like it exist. There's no cohesive website or app, but there are like little Reddit threads in little corners of the internet and Facebook groups, one in Florida. Um, and adult adoptions have happened. Um, and I've read about, you know, the various the, the various things there are to read about it. There were two two employees also, I think, in Florida. A lot, a lot happens in Florida. Um, who adopted, you know, an adult employee who I don't think had aged out of the foster care, but had come from a kind of rougher background and was estranged from her parents. And they kind of at work had created a natural kind of familial dynamic and they decided to make it official. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was very interested to read and read about whether this was real after I thought of the idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's so interesting. I mean, this is a film about, about not, I guess not just one person, but people looking for connection. Um, and and I'm wondering for you both, do you think that's something we may have lost? I mean, we've come out of a pandemic, sure, there's all that, but this idea of 
of intimate connection with one another, non-sexual. And, and that, that's why actually you can talk about that too. This film is about trying to walk those lines as well and, and try and discern between those two things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's, we, um, we were supposed to film this movie like days before the pandemic sort of shut everything down. We were about to go to camera. Everything was booked, ready to go. Cast was locked, et cetera. And then the world shut down and then we had to wait a year to actually get it back up and running again. And it was such an interesting year for this script to marinate in, because I think when we all came back and we all were a crew together trying to make this indie movie, essentially with, you know, the large uh, overarching subject of it being loneliness and the desire for intimate connection, it was pretty palpably felt, I think, by everyone who worked on the film. And I often say too that, you know, during the pandemic, like I was single, I lived alone and, you know, it was a, it was a rough time. And making this movie made me feel connected again in a way that I think translated to the movie in and of itself. And I think that um, I think that the movie was like better for having been delayed a year because mm. it was as though Ellie stared into her crystal ball and knew that, <laughs> um, you know, we were all going to be like seeking intimacy online for a year because we couldn't actually see each other. And then, you know, so the, the, the sort of ultimate product of this film that it became, I think was heavily influenced by that and, um, and better for it. I would agree with that. Yeah. And in terms of your question, like, um, like, are we still in a place where we can have intimate relationships? Is that, you know, where where are we at with that post pandemic? Yeah, that is an interesting question because intimate relationships between adults require a, you know, romantic or not traditionally romantic require um, a certain degree of risk. And it's interesting how, you know, this big, you know, global trauma has impacted our relationship to risk and our willingness to you know show up in relationships and risk rejection and everything else that comes with really showing up and giving ourselves to relationships that's an interesting thing to think about that I hadn't connected to this movie and it's it's funny too like the tool that like or the device that is used in this film to initiate these intimate relationships is the internet and I think that like you know the commentary uh, in the film on sort of like what, uh, like how that device informs the future relationships. You know, I think, you know, what what Rosie inevitably finds with both of, with everyone she meets through this website um, is that it's like, it's, it's not necessarily entirely organic. And it's like, what, like how, like what bearing does meeting people through technology have on an inevitable relationship and the intimacy of that. Is it anything? Would it be the same if these people were like meeting organically? I mean, Rosie does meet Jane organically in a coffee shop for the first time, but then they meet sort of in a more like, oh, like let's meet up in a formal context via, you know, the sort of permutations of mother-daughter via this adult adoption website. Um, so I think it's it's an interesting question to pose. It's like, what has technology done to intimacy and how has it affected um, the relationships that we foster online. Yeah, and and how it changes the way we speak to each other. I mean, right now, here we are speaking over Zoom. Uh, <laughs> you know, here we are doing it now. 
in this film too, it also sort of changes the way we we look at ourselves or treat others. You know, it, it's essentially a shopping list. You know, I'll, I'll take this person or this person or this person. I mean, we can have these conversations before. We've got things like, like Tinder and Facebook, yeah. all these things. Um, but certainly that's, that's a part of this, you know, you're shopping for the, the thing that fits your need. And I don't yeah, know it, sorry. That feels very true to how we idealize or project uh, onto like parents though, and parental figures, yeah. you know, like we have such a, we have such a set idea of what love from them is going to look like. And oftentimes, you know, miscommunications between parent and child or any relationship um, is based on that idea of like what I see as love and what you have to give are, you know, are not aligned. Um, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. So it's like a microcosm for a bigger thing in relationships, that shopping list. With, with that in mind, I mean, that, this is the key thing, I think one of the key things about the film is, is you know, and certainly with Rosie, but just as you two with creation of the story, what do you think we need from our parents or parental figures? And, and do you think we ever stop needing that, whatever that may be? Hmm. Well, I think it's interesting. Like it's, it's, I think all humans want to believe in the fantasy of unconditional love and whether or not it is a fantasy, I don't know. Um, but I think we seek unconditional love or we, we desire or want to believe that our parents love us unconditionally because it makes us feel safe. And yeah. I think that uh, maturity comes or, you know, a sort of um, more mature relationship with a parental figure comes when both parties, both parent and child can recognize and see the other as a flawed human being who is not going to maybe love you totally unconditionally, but will love you unconditionally under <laughs> a framework of expectations. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's important to uh, contend with the fact that both parent and child are going to screw up and that even through those screw ups, it's like, maybe that's the heart of the unconditional love is that like part of Part of the unconditional love is that sometimes the unconditional love might not be there, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as I, I think I said this uh, in an earlier interview, but like the journey of the movie for me was kind of the discovery of like unconditional love doesn't expect, doesn't show up in the way that you expect it to. It doesn't come from one source. It probably can't be found in one relationship. And yet if you just go out into the world, you can feel the force of unconditional love working on you in all mm -hmm. these unexpected ways, like Rosie going into the cafe and that person doesn't know her very well. He probably doesn't love her unconditionally, but the, um, you know, the universe um, and he's part of that makeup is sending her all of these signs that she's loved. Yeah. And, and there's a, you know, the beautiful, I like that you mentioned the coffee shop there because there's a sort of beauty over over coffee and that takes place and even just opening sugar packets is, is really really sort of a wonderful moment and and i like that you both talk about 
sort of the the imperfection of unconditional love because i mean without giving anything away there's this scene where of course where, where rosie is chatting with another person who says i'm broken you know i'm human and we have these expectations we place on the on whether it's our parents or people ahead of us or above us that we view above us i should say in terms of that sort of parental role um maybe unrealistic in in that way i love what you're saying there uh, so with that with that having been said there's also a wonderful line i thought it and it it sort of sneaks in there i think it's nola uh later on in the film there's a there seems to be a reference that she suggests that it's better to have friends than family mm -hmm. and, and i'm certainly you know the way that we view family has changed over the years mm -hmm. um, and we use the term differently you know in a totally different franchise vin diesel talks about family every few seconds um i'm wondering from your perspective do you agree with that is it is it better to have friends than family and and if so why hmm. i think what ali said earlier about um the fact that unconditional love doesn't necessarily show up the way that you think it does i think that uh I don't know if it's better to have friends than family, but, you know, we talk, you know, part of the colloquial jargon of the day is like chosen family. Yeah. And I think like that is, that's like a very, I think it's, it's a nice way to uh, enter the universe in a, in a way, because it's sort of the notion that, you know, you're not, you're not going to get everything you need from your family necessarily. And so friends can, you know, become a sort of chosen family and you can, you know, you, God, how to use this quote, you know, you might, you might not get what you want, but you might get what you need. <laughs> it's just one of those, like, I think with friends, that's sort of maybe the case. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question. I, I kind of, the thing, my response to it is sort of like, I think once you become an adult family, if, if they're going to stay in your life, uh, your life, family kind of transitions to being friends anyway, because you're choosing to be there. You're having a much more mutual relationship. Um, I'm not, I'm not clear that I have like a, a clear distinction between family and friends after the person is an adult. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I guess that's true because you almost have to redefine those relationships uh, as an adult, uh, certain, yeah. well, I guess you, you do. I mean, in, in this film is very much sort of about that, missing that and trying to navigate those, those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's such an interesting film and, uh, you know what, and just, I know we're running out of time, but I just wanted to ask you, you this as well. I think there's a moment, I believe it is Rosie, uh, who says flat out, I'm not even a real person. Yeah. That is a devastating line, and it's it, it's a fascinating one. I'm just wondering to you both, what do you think that means to be a real person today? Ooh, you know what? I think it means um, to be broken. <laughs> but once you accept your own brokenness, your lack of protection, the less you need protection from, mm. um, and you you join the world. Uh, of people who are also broken, um, which is the whole world. I don't just mean the world of people that are broken, but yeah. 
world that's entirely consists of people that are broken. Um, yeah, it's a it was a fun line to write in a script and give to a character who's not real. I have to say, it gave yeah. me a little sneaky. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You've got a fictional person acknowledging that they are not, they are not real. It's the only meta moment in the movie. It really is the only meta moment in the movie. And it's not meta. It's not meta. She thinks she's not real. Yeah. But you know, like I've read, I read a lot about attachment theory uh, in researching this movie and we learn that we're real when we're, you know, infants because we are getting stimulated by um, a caregiver. And if um, she's experienced a lot of neglect and she's trying to build this template um, now as an adult, I think it would make a lot of sense that she didn't feel real. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it is a privilege and a joy to speak with you both. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. This was uh, fabulous questions. My yeah, great questions. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I really do wish you the best and with the film. Um, okay. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Yeah, Great. you too. Have a Monday. Thanks. Thanks to you. Bye. Bye. Bye.